We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the Titans. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the tots. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Welcome into the Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Jonathan, it's Thursday night. I'd be lying if I said that I completely remembered this podcast uh, to be recorded all day today, even though at one point in time we did talk about it in person, and then two hours later I forgot all about that because I took the family to see the wonderful movie Sing 2. It was a masterpiece. Lots of Oscars going to go around for that, and I'm just kidding. It was It was good. It was good, but that definitely caused me to kind of forget uh, what I was doing for the rest of the day and, until I texted you later, like, oh, crap, I forgot, bud. <laughs> so it, it obviously was actually mind-blowing. Yes, it was mind-blowing. It took me out of reality, and I completely forgot about the podcast that we talked about we were going to record today at the same time. So kudos to me. Good job remembering your your. Um, responsibilities of the week. So also it's kind of holiday uh, holiday time for us at our regular job. So I'm thinking maybe my brain just look for the easy way out and shut down altogether. Uh, yeah, I think you're able to be given a little bit of a pass for this week, but um, that is impressive though. Yeah, I did another live show this week as well uh, on YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, no Flags film on YouTube. We have an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes where we broke down the Titans offense specifically talked about plan on just talking about the offensive line, but we got into a lot of passing concepts. Uh, his opinion on Todd Downing. James was really good to talk with. We're probably going to have bring him onto the coach's corner at some point in time. And I'll go ahead and plug for him. His, he categorizes everything into huddle and gives you access to it. If you are subscribed to his Patreon and I, whatever I, it's, it's, it's good work. Go out and check it out. Subscribe. You won't regret it. It's easy to go through and just find exactly what you want. You look at all the outside zones, pulls it right up in two seconds. I mean, it's just it's just a wonderful thing to do. So we went, you went through and just talked about a lot of different stuff uh, at the Titans. So if you have some time, selfless plug there. Uh, selfish, selfless, selfish plug. Shameless. Shameless. There, That's the word I'm looking for. Plug, go and check that out. But maybe that's also where my mind was. I talked about the Titans once this week, so maybe I was just checking out early. Yeah, I think you can be forgiven. <laughs> for sure. But the Titans did have a upset. Everyone can see my air quotes upset win over the 49ers. Cause upset because I think that there was some tweets out there about the Niners could name their score. It was over from the jump. I mean, it, I've, I've come to expect some very rational reactions from this fan base on social media. If things don't start out quite right. And I get it. There were some people out. Dylan Radins was getting his first start first playing time in the NFL this late into a season. So I, I get the anxiety, but again, and I have to stress this as a Titans fan, who's been around, you should know that Mike Vrabel's Titans are different than other Titans teams of the past. They rarely get blown out. They rarely are out of games, especially early on. And they always seem to even even the bad games like last year versus Pittsburgh, they found a way to kind of crawl back into it at points. They're not entirely out until it's mathematically impossible time wise. So that's that's what I'll start saying is is that the grit and grind Vrabel, you got to give them a little more than just a quarter before you start calling games. Yeah, and I I heard you know the announcers talking about how the the Titans are fundamentally sound and they're not going to beat themselves. I think that's the that's what Vrabel wants them to be. 
Um, but it, it's hard for me to go down that path with them being a team that turned it over 13 times sure. in, in a four week stretch. So this team is definitely capable of doing stupid stuff to uh, what's the stupid shit to beat to beat the team, I think, is the <laughs> uh, the, the stuff that they talk about or sure. the Vrabel will say. So, yeah, they are definitely capable of doing things like that. But ultimately, what you saw um, is the Titans play not the not the most exciting game. No, uh, no, not flashy at all. No, but it was a clean game, mm-hmm. and that's what this team has been missing. Isn't it funny that the most boring games the Titans have had down here down the stretch with the people that have been out have been out? Is the boring games come away going? Well, that was a boring game, but they beat the Jaguars twenty nothing, and it was boring game you've seen in a while. But a win's a win, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's what you want from a team that is so depleted due to injuries. Now COVID, it it, it that's what you want. You want the clean game, right? And frankly. If you play clean against Houston and play clean against Pittsburgh, you probably are pulling out victories there as well. Oh, for sure. Especially that Houston game. Uh, Pittsburgh, oh, well, both of them. Because, I mean, uh, probably Pittsburgh over the Houston, if I could backtrack there for a second. But uh, both of them, you're right. I mean, it wasn't just it, the Tannehill interceptions the, in the Houston game with the receivers. A couple of them ran incorrect routes, whatever. Tannehill made, forcing the ball in on a rain crap day. And then the Pittsburgh game with the fumbles and just the tip pass for interceptions. There's just so much going against them. If they have one turnover less in those two games, they probably win it, or at least they have a chance to drive for the win. Yeah, I mean, you, that's the exact game that, yes, are you coming away saying, yeah, they've got to get the downfield passing game going. They've got sure. to develop some of these plays. However, if you're able to play those clean games where you're not making stupid mistakes, putting the ball on the ground, uh, then you're winning those games. So. Yeah, I mean, now I will also say the first quarter of that Niners game, it did not look good. The Niners were moving the ball at will. You kind of had the thought of, oh, is this the game where the defense kind of uh, has a down game? Um, And would you blame them with the the way that it's been going? They've been kind of holding the the Titans team up for the last month and a half or so. So it'd be hard to be too critical of them if they had a down game. Uh, Niners came out firing, um, but uh, like you said, complete kudos to the team for kind of riding the ship, seeing it through, uh, kind of maintaining that calm and, and uh, getting back into the game. I guess that's my overall point is they've earned some grace with me uh, while I'm watching those games to not give up on them. And, and I kind of, I got, I got beat up a little bit. I think that I said, well, I never wavered in my thought the Titans would win this game, you know, and I kind of got beat up on the Twitter. Maybe I was being a little bastard about it. I don't know. I wasn't trying to make anybody feel bad. I was just trying to say, I, my point was, is that, I have learned this team is never truly out of a game until they're actually out of it. It's no, there's no point in calling it in quarter one, no, regardless I, of how it's going. I'd, I'd agree with that. Your your, your comment, uh, subtlety is not always your specialty. No, no, no. So, I mean, because uh, obviously, <laughs> as it was pointed out to me this week, I'm not, I'm not. A, but here's the thing: it's it didn't have to be pointed out to me that I'm not very good with English language. I know I'm not very good with English language. Hell, it's in my Twitter profile that I'm bad at English. I know I'm not. It's 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 fine. And here I am, you know, one of the two hosts of a, of a podcast where I have to talk for a living. So, yeah, well, it's not a podcast <laughs> on uh, Webster. So, sure, no, 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 no kidding. But, but you know, again, let's let's so let's go into the game a little bit. Um, the first half, as you just mentioned, the way that San Francisco started off. But let's talk. Let's start with how the offense started out, and it was this very much. You saw it. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it if you were watching the game. People complaining and everything about it was clearly obvious. For the most part, they did throw with these two off the field, but they would pull AJ and Julio out at times. I I called it during the game, or I said that I thought that they, that was the way that they were managing snaps. 
for for the two coming off injury, both of them, Julio the week before AJ his first game. I thought that's how they were doing it. Now, was it making it pre- were they running on a lot of those downs? Sure. Was it making them very predictable? You betcha. They threw a couple times when I went back and looked at it in the, out of those sets because there was a couple attempts to to uh, other receivers that when Julio and AJ weren't on. But the point was is that it was clear that they were almost like. In a, in a heavyweight boxing match, they were throwing jabs just to kind of see if they had any weak spots, see what they could do, and, and not really putting their full effort into any punches or anything. Kind of just was like, okay, this is a pretty straightforward and predictable. Yeah, I think it was very much a feeling out period. Yep. Um, now, I will also complain and think that it was still a bit too conservative with some of the play calls, but I, I can understand it to an extent. You kind of had to expect that the Niners were going to come out and immediately try to get Tannehill down mm-hmm. uh, and, and go after him, especially with the rookie left tackle out there going against Nick Bosa. Uh, you saw, and, and I know you've spoken about this previously, but uh, there was a lot of help that was sent to both tackles with mm-hmm. some uh, very clear chips, extra man protection on the outside to protect yep. against that. So, um, you know, we'll talk about Raiden's and, you know, I thought he did fine, but he, he wasn't an all pro performance at all. Um, nope. nor should it be expected. <laughs> no, 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 um, no. so I think definitely in the beginning of the game, the Titans were more kind of feeling out, okay, what can we start to do? Right. Well, what can we get away from? And frankly, you, you give some of those pass rushers, you know, let, let them tire themselves out early on in the game. Um, now, again, I, I think they should have opened it up a little bit more than they did, but I, I understand where it was from. I will also say if Jack Rabbit Jenkins doesn't come up with an interception in the end zone the way he did, they may not have had the sure. opportunity that was there. Sure. That's that's a good point. I mean, because there's always game game flow, and maybe my, my stance changes if they go down 21 nothing or something like that, but it, it just didn't happen for them, and, and Jack Rabbit's able to make that play. But going back to the offense real quick, um, and I agree with everything you just said, and we'll get. I, I want to say because we'll get into Raiden's specifically here in just a minute. Let's talk more about Todd Downing and the play calling, and and like you said, it was a little maddening because you're like, all right, now they did go for some screens. Screens probably need to be shot into the sun at this point in time, at least the way they're running them. Uh, it's just a couple things. When you go back and watch the film uh, on one of the screens that didn't work, uh, Brewer got held by the defensive lineman, which yes, that is a penalty. It should have been. He got held, couldn't get out. Couldn't get any depth. Hilliard also didn't look like he was getting to the right depth on the throw, and then Ryan Tannehill throws it at him anyway, even though it was very clear it wasn't open. So we, you, I'll give you all the credit for this, and I agree with you. Been pleading that Tannehill needs to do two things. I think that he's not a, he's not above criticism. As much as he's done for the Titans over the past couple of years, he's he's got a lot of stuff he does not do well. Not a lot of stuff, but he does some things he doesn't do well. One of his he 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 doesn't throw the ball away ever. I mean, doesn't just fire it out of bounds or anything over over the receiver's head if it's not there, and he he, he doesn't give up on the screen. There could be pluses and minuses to that, but there's a time when that screen's not there, you fire that son of a gun at the feet of your of your running back and live to fight another day. Yeah, especially with an offense that's as depleted as it was right now, and you're starting to get some of these guys back, starting to get back into a rhythm with it where you can start to pick up those chunk plays. But where they're at right now, the one thing that this offense cannot overcome consistently is going to be negative plays. Mm -hmm. You cannot afford that. Like Second and 10 is a whole lot better than second and 14 for this offense. And so Tannehill needs to be aware of that. And if I was going to be critical about him for anything, that would be the thing that he consistently continues to do just chuck the ball into the dirt play the next play right live live to fight another day and and that was kind of the, the, a lot of the, the the first half as well as just things weren't quite punchy enough and just 
some things look like they would be. If you go back and look there, people were complaining about the third and long draw play, and I get it. It's not a very sexy play, but if a couple blocks, one block in particular is different, if they don't run a stunt right into the mouth of it, that thing had a chance to go. I mean, but that's 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 how every NFL offensive play is supposed to be designed. Yeah, you also knew that there was going to be a lot of third and long draw plays the second that Hilliard hit that one against the Patriots. Yeah. It justifies the next six weeks in, yeah. in Downing's mind. So, exactly. uh, like, I mean, that you just got to accept that that's going to be part of it. Again, I don't love it. I don't love it, but it was, I can see that it was there had they had one thing go a little differently. And I know that it didn't. So you can't really say, well, what if, but it, there was just a whole lot of just frustration watching that game in the first half. Luckily they play two halves in NFL football games. And it was almost completely the opposite in the second half for the Titans offense. Yeah. I think the the offense, what you saw is the um, confidence that Tannehill has in one AJ Brown. Um, I think there were plays that, you know, other guys were open and like a Julio that could have been more involved, but you can't, you, you can't knock a guy for having chemistry with a dude. Sure. And he and Tannehill, he being AJ Brown, definitely just have are in sync when it comes to that. And at some point, you just ride with it until they stop it. And right. so you saw AJ Brown just kind of take over that game. And again, I've been pleading for a decade for this team to have true speed out there. And that's just not what they have. What they do have is a 235 pound wide receiver, which is just good luck because he will just straight out body you uh, at the point of attack. He's not going to generally be open by five yards because he's blowing by guys, but he's going to be hard at the point of contact whether it's at the top of the route or at the point of the catch, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And, and, but that's his game. He, he breaks things. He's not open when he breaks them, but he does have that burst after the catch initially. That's kind of deceptive. And I think that's what gets him out in front. And so once they, well, I'll know that this offense is truly clicking again when their running game, obviously has been what it is, regardless of the running back, but Derek Henry would be nice. I got, I grant you that, but I'll know this is really back when they're, when they're hitting some of those digs with AJ Brown and those middle crossers with AJ Brown, where he's able to connect, have maybe two yards of separation. Doesn't look like he's all that open, but all of a sudden he's down the sidelines for a touchdown because he just runs away from people. He's one of those guys that I don't care what 40 time he runs. He seems to run faster when the lights are on once he has the ball in his hands. I, I agree with that. I also will say that generally his big runs are going to be him breaking a tackle. Sure. Um, and that's just frankly because teams. Big body. Are, well, and a lot of the, <laughs> because of the coverages that teams play against mm-hmm. the Titans, because they know the Titans, even regardless of who's in at running back, are going to want to run the ball, that he doesn't have nearly as many guys in the secondary to run away from. Right. Um, so that is kind of his game. Um, would definitely love to have somebody that can go over the top. I'm just looking at the first round here, you know, getting a little ahead of myself. But um, some oh, names yeah, again that could yeah. be interesting at that um, wherever the Titans are going to be picking. But no, I think you know you kind of see what AJ Brown brings brings to the table for this team, and I do think people are a little critical of um, Julio Jones. But I don't think he's been as bad as you know the stats may indicate. I can get frustrated. I can get the frustration if the, you will say, "Well, he just has not been available." Sure, the best ability is availability. We get that. Um, but when he's been out there, he has been bracketed quite a bit, and he has taken some attention. And that was the whole point of getting someone with that caliber for this offense. Now, if everything were were equal, and if and if I'll be and if the tight end play was anywhere close to what it was last year, and the two receivers would have been healthy. I, this this offense would have looked completely different during this stretch, but none of that was there for Tannehill. So, and Tannehill's got to what you said earlier about having the confidence in AJ Brown. I also think Tannehill's just a different type of player when he has that confidence. I think that when he doesn't have that confidence, you see some cracks. But again, I don't think either you or I have ever said 
Ryan Tannehill is an elite quarterback in the NFL. I, he's not. He's good enough, and especially when he's confident and he has his, his toys to play with, he's really good. And he's proved that over the past couple of years. Yeah, and I will say the greatest play of the entire season happened in this game, um, mostly because it's something that I have been championing for for, I don't know, ever. And that was, they took a free play on an offside. Oh my God, rather, yes. rather than just take it, because this is what, there's two schools of thought on this, is that uh, if you get a team to jump off sides, that you immediately move, aka a false start, and you take your free five yards and move on. That is almost they, They've been always, doing that for five years. Which it's, it's hard to fault them for. It's a free five yards, and especially with a team that runs the ball as well as they do, you'll take it because that's almost guaranteeing a first down. Right in third and 23. And <laughs> at the end of the third quarter there, which is the situation here, they'd finally do it. They do the other school of thought, which is it is a free play. You see guys like Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, they know when they have that free play and you just chuck it because who knows what could happen. They end up getting, I'm pretty sure it was a PI that ends up being declined and AJ Brown coming down and just mossing a dude. And those are the kinds of plays that I think you have to take when your offense is what this one is in this point in time. God, I love the reaction of AJ after he makes the catch. He just lays on the ground and just slyly points <laughs> to first down. And you just kind of, and that, and that's the, 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 the attitude that's kind of been missing on this offense. But to your point, and, and, and out there, as y'all are listening to this, I really wish y'all could have been seen Jonathan and how he reacted to that because he, he, he was literally like, yes, for years. I mean, it just years of frustration boiled over and just, you were like, yes, finally. And it's, and it's not that it's that, that's not coming from any kind of a fan. That is a, a coaching angle or a, 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 a tactic that you've been asking for, for, well, since you and I've been watching football games together, which has been, you know, quite a few years now. And because it's just something you can take advantage of because if they pick it, who cares? If they pick it and run it all the way back for touchdown, who cares? And and it's pretty clear in those situations when it happens that it's going to be a free play because that happens right in front of the quarterback's view. So Tannehill definitely knew he had that shot and just threw it up there. And kudos to AJ again, as you pointed out, using that big body to step in front, high point. I think Superhorn wrote a great All-22 review of the game and, and pointed out you, you really see his ability to high point and it's that, that time spent as a center fielder really seemed to work out for AJ. Well, and, and you know, Tannehill doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL. He's not a Herbert Rogers Mahomes no. kind of guy, but that's a heck of a throw to go from the opposite hash was, mark all it, the way across the field, moving to his left, yep. throw back across to the right like yep. that. Yeah. Not, I mean, not bad. You're not talking pinpoint accuracy kind of thing. It's put it up there in one-on-one coverage and give, give your guy a shot. But that was a long throw. And I don't think just because of the distance that you may see on the ESPN game tracker yeah. doesn't quite do that throw justice. No, no. Because especially with also, we, we pointed out in the film session this week, Tannehill's also really good technically about getting his feet set back around with his shoulders. That's that kind of a throw. You want your, your feet and your shoulders to be in a kind of a, 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 a straight line with each other to, towards your target. He definitely wasn't here he was hips open shoulder open and he flung it man but but again on that play he he was looking downfield towards i believe it was julio who happened to be in sort of double coverage there was a man under him a man over him that's not where you want to throw that ball if you if you're trying to gain something positive out of it sure could he have run absolutely wouldn't have gotten the first down he had a couple other throws that were kind of covered and so he said well where's my one-on-one where's the guy i, I trust have trusted for a couple years now let me throw it up and see what can happen What's the what's the term? Screw it, AJ, down there somewhere. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, exactly. So, yeah, so, again, as bad as the Titans started off on offense in the first half, equally or the reverse of that in the second half, they were they were dynamic. A.J. was producing. The run game was, was, was there when it needed to be. The offensive line held up probably better in a lot of aspects. Now, they – We'll get to this in a second. They did some things to ensure that they were holding up <laughs> for, for this line, and it was beautifully done. In fact, on the Ferkser, there was a Ferkser third and seven, third and six conversion mm-hmm. uh, late in the game where he literally chips Bosa, allows the offensive line to be able to set up behind him, releases late, releases at kind of the perfect time when the linebackers had given up on him, had backed up to try to take away where the Titans had attacked earlier in the game in the middle read to take away that throw and there he is wide open and he's able to catch it and run and get a first down by like two or three yards. So the chips actually worked out in the, in the past pro, but also during the game, they were able to utilize it to clear out, to convert a third and long. So, I mean, you see those kinds of things. Those are things you don't give offensive coordinators credit for, but I think it's the things they're very much tracking and looking for. How can we, we have been doing this to protect our offensive tackles all game. How can we take advantage of it in other situations? And then that, point was a way that they were able to still accomplish what they wanted to in the pass pro, but then utilize that to convert for first down. So again, you may or may not want to give Todd down in credit for it, but at least he's looking to incorporate those kinds of things, especially when you flooded everything out on that side, it was clear that Ferkser was going to be a main option on that play to me anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, he, he's going to, ha- he has some plays that I, I can agree with. I'm not the biggest downing fan. No, I haven't no. seen a ton of, um, innovation and a lot of the things that they've done um that I you think don't like he, the double reverse screen uh receiver yeah. throw down field. i'm yeah. kidding I'm yeah kidding. yeah um so but yeah he, i'll give him a bone on that play yeah i think i think what i've been most frustrating uh with him during the season has been the clearly the run game is working and i'm very much a fan of make them stop you and he gets a first and 10 from like the in the red zone like from the 12 going in and then you see three passes in a row and it just it baffles me why why you go away from I'm, I'm okay with the first down throw i'm okay with it but that next one better be either the uh, a short pass you can guarantee me or it better be a run and I, and I know you can probably say well ryan don't you don't want them to be predictable i don't care if the run game's working you make them stop you <laughs> but that's my that's been my biggest complaint throughout the years those kind of situations where they're not they're they're not all that often but when they do they're very glaring and noticeable to me and i think that's the big difference for me between art smith and downing is art didn't seem to fold in the red zone very much no, agreed. They had one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's the huge difference for me watching the two offensive coordinators. But again, I don't think he's terrible, but I don't also don't think he's elite or one of the top ones. And he's just kind of in the middle. And you can want for better, sure, but you're not getting a better offensive coordinator coming at this point in the season. So it's kind of like complaining about it is like sitting in a rocking chair to give you something to do, but it's not really going to get you anywhere. All right, Grandma. <laughs> so we've teased it. Raiden's real quick. Um, what I've been talking about all day, the protection, and what I saw from film was the Titans were clearly calling their pass pro, which means that their their floaters and their line, you can call it a half-line slide if you want to, but Jones and, and Brewer were clearly sliding to their left gaps, the, the A, the B, and the C towards Raidens to help him out. And this bailed them out a ton because the, the Niners from the get-go were stunting the crap out of the offensive line on both sides. Clearly, they wanted to take advantage and run and rush what they could at Raidens. Bosa, it didn't matter who was out there. They were clear, twisting, stunting, 
not really blitzing as heavily, but they were trying to create some havoc with the defensive line. So with that offensive line shifting their 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 call protection to the left side to back up, now you have basically three offensive linemen to pick up two. And it happened quite a bit. They would still run a running back off that left side to just make sure, but release him pretty quick. And then what they're doing off the other side to Questenberry's side a lot was they would chip with a tight end running back something to be able to give that side over there a little bit of time as well. There were times when the, the, the 49ers would clearly line up with three people, three or three to four defenders close to a blitzing type threat to, to Questenberry's side. But the Titans would still shift the call to the left because they clearly were like, all right, we're going to run ships and extra mans over here to help there on the edge. And we're going to we're going to we're going to really shift over here and make sure Brewer and, and Ben Jones are, are looking out for Raidens. And they had to pick those up a couple times where the twist came all the way in to, to, to Ben Jones and then looped all the way out. And Raidens is athletic enough. I'll, I'll tell you this. That's what I was most impressed with was his athletic ability to get back out onto the loops. The, the looping uh, defender coming back around and give Tannehill enough time. Now he still struggled with anything power related, any, any kind of power rush on him, anything straight up. He was not great. And the run game, he was okay. I thought he climbed well. I thought he did well, but they also didn't ask him to do a whole lot of lead blocking or power blocking or anything like that, which I just do not think is his game. That all being said, I've seen a lot out there that say shift him over to right tackle or shift Luan over to right tackle, which is just insane. It's just insane. Um, but I honestly, in this game specifically, did not think that he outplayed Questenberry. I think Questenberry had a very good game as well. And I think that what you have now is more depth at tackle that I could possibly trust now where before he was unknown. So I'll admit he was kind of a, I had a lower expectation of ratings in this game. And so he surpassed my expectations, but that doesn't mean he was elite by any means. So you'd kind of, to tie this back to the rest of the show, you'd describe Raiden's uh, the equivalent of Sing 2 for you? <laughs> no, no, Sing 2 is better. No. Okay, cool. cool. I know you didn't have high expectations, but it was Okay, yeah, yes, in that in that regard. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But I actually think Sing, Sing 2 was an excellent movie. Okay. Go see it with your family. Where's my check? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that Raiden's did fine. He didn't outplay Lawan. He didn't he didn't give any kind of credence to now start over Lawan at left tackle. That's that's insane. Yeah, that's next year. That's 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 when they cut or, rest, or or Lawan refuses the restructure or whatever. Um, but I, and I don't think he did enough because again, we talk about people wanting to switch NFL tackles left to right like it can just be a switch they flip on. It's not always the case. There have been some guys that can go back and forth and not have a problem, but those are usually your journeymen, your swingmen, or people that have done it for a while. Um, I don't trust Raidens to go back over to the right side. In fact, and I know this isn't fair. This is completely not fair of me, but the last time I saw him at right tackle was probably one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen in the NFL, and it was preseason, so there wasn't shit getting thrown at him, and it was still putrid. I don't trust him on the right side, and again, he played left tackle. It's it's like it's it's not the same, but it's similar to your right. You learn how to write with your right hand your entire life, and then some, all of a sudden, someone one day says, "Now write everything just as perfectly with your left hand." It's just it's not a one to one comparison there, but it's not easy to just flip a switch like that when you've played majority and this was his first experience playing right tackle at that level I, I don't like it I don't I, that's why I don't want to move him over there just yet no I think that's perfectly valid I do think I, I've been pretty vocal about you need something from your second round pick um, and how Questenberry has been performing over the past few weeks I do think there has to at least be a conversation but I'll say that the coaches that are in the that are at practice seeing how he's performing seeing how he has progressed 
if I could get a performance like what I saw at the left side on the right side, sure, then I would take it absolutely because you ha- you assume there's going to be upside as he develops there. Sure, David Questenberry. There's no upside he, there. He, He's he, hanging on by a thread. He is what he is. <laughs> right. Um, what what becomes interesting then is when Kendall Lamb comes back, what do you do with Raidens? Is right. he back to being inactive? Um, is Kendall Lamb back to being that that swing tackle that you have that can play both sides? And then Raidens is truly just a left tackle backup, which will mean that he is inactive on most game days. Right, right. So, because you're going to take the guy who can play both positions over the exactly, guy who can play just one. That's roster management. It's roster one hundred and one management. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, and it's not, it's not that you think that Lamb is better than Raiden's at left tackle. It's that you think Lamb has a better shot of being a better right and left tackle if needed. So, and I would agree. Now, I, I think that if, if things happen, or Q gets hurt during practice during the week, I would be like, yeah, throw Raiden's out there. Let's see what happens. Because then at that point, once Lamb's back, if Raiden's just absolutely poops the bed at right tackle, now you have Lamb that can step in for him. I think that Raiden's has earned some more consideration because, like I said before. It just was very clear that he was an unknown. Now it's a little less of an unknown for me. I think that he's a capable offensive lineman that once he learns a little more and can get a little stronger, I think that's going to be a very capable tackle in the NFL. He's athletic enough. He's going to fit well in his own scheme. I'm telling you that right now. Once yeah, he gets he rolling. moves extremely well. Yeah. Um, it, like you said, it's just the strength that he's got to work on. Sure. So that, that wraps it up for the offense. I know I didn't leave a whole lot of time for defense. We kind of went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. But I know that there's a couple things on defense that have caught your eye. Uh, one of that has been the uh, Houston Texans – former Houston Texan linebackers at Cunningham, who somehow miraculously, according to every expert out there, failed to the Titans, and they think the Titans were just dumb as hell to pick him up. Um, it's been a kind of nice little pickup on that in the middle of that defense. Yeah, I think a lot of what you see there, you'll see plays. Um, he makes plays that you know David Long will make periodically. The, the difference there is the consistency that you're seeing out of Cunningham, especially in his uh, abil- ability to scrape over the top and get outside on some of these runs. That's how teams have started to really attack the Titans um, off tackle. Rashawn Evans, that's just really not his game. Um, because he's just not the fastest processor out there. Um, Cunningham has a speed with recognition on the play and getting to the point of attack that uh, David Long's probably the only linebacker that they have that does it consistently. But Mm -hmm. Long is a bit more undersized um, and frankly runs around blocks a little bit more. Exactly. That's going to cause him to you cut under a block. Well, now you just have taken yourself out of the play. Right. Um, So that's the difference that I think you're seeing out of Cunningham is not that they are plays that they haven't seen on this defense before but it's the consistency in what what he does it all with and so for me that is a, that's a big pickup for them I'll be interested to see as they go against teams that are not the Steelers and not the uh, Niners teams that you know want to run the ball that's what they want to do I'll be interested to see what their linebacker combination is because it has been mostly Cunningham and Evans but again whenever you're going to go up against teams that want to throw the ball around a bit more I'm not sure those are the guys you want out there do you go back to a Sure. Is it a Jayon Brown and Cunningham? My guess is that Evans is the one coming off the field in that scenario. But uh, it, where does Cunningham fit? My guess is that he is a three-down linebacker for them, and he's going to be on the field a lot. Yeah, that's a very good point to call out that when you get into these teams that don't want to run as much or don't favor the running game, or it's not that. Not that it's not important because running game is important, but just that our, your Arizona Cardinals that are going to look to throw it around the field a little more. You want a more athletics uh, set of 
whatever, maybe the Titans would even go to like a big dime type set where maybe now you have three safeties out there as opposed to, you know, two safeties and three corners, you know, that never mind. But my point is, is that that's a great point by you. Um, was that Cunningham going forward that he may be the guy, but while they are running sets where him and Evans are going to be on the field at the same time, especially against teams that are going to run the ball. Cause you can see that in the playoffs too, where you're going to have some teams you're going to want to stop running the ball. And especially if you somehow have to face the Colts again, <laughs> no, that would be interesting. What is your opinion on what, how Evans has played since Cunningham got here? Well, I've been on record of saying it. I don't necessarily think that Evans has improved since Cunningham got here as much as Evans is just having his best season as a pro. I just think that it has been his most consistent. Gotcha. You don't have the goal line stand plays that you had previously, which he may, and I still think he's fully capable of doing things like that, but he has not been as much of a liability right. in the middle as he was the last two seasons. That was prior to Cunningham getting there. But I will say though, that anytime you have someone better playing next to you, just like Kevin Byard can attest to playing behind Evans. A uh, easier. Yeah. When you have guys in competence next to you, it does, make your life a bit easier when you're the number two guy uh that that makes your life easier because teams are accounting for the other guy um and so i do think he's been a little bit better with cunningham but overall i think evans has been playing his best football since he's been a titan fair enough i have nothing to add to that because i agree with you i mean he has this is probably his best season as titan and you and i have been super critical of him in the past uh so he's clearly playing a little better and it's a little more noticeable i think when and i guess my point was it's more noticeable since cunningham has been here that's just i think that cunningham is freeing some of that up that he's able to kind of it's now not evans trying to make those lead plays now evans is able to clean up some stuff and and, and get involved so he's more noticeable yeah, in and, situations. and, and I'll, I'll, I will say, just before anybody jumps to conclusions, I don't think you re-sign Rashawn Evans just because of this one season. Sure. Um, That's but, why they went out and got Cunningham, yeah, in my opinion. But, <laughs> but I will acknowledge the guy is playing better football. And if this is what you got – um, for all five years, maybe that's a different story, but it is what it is at this point. Yep. So late field goal is able to, to take the Titans to win over the 49ers. Fat Randy comes through again. As you knew he would, no doubt in our minds, watching the game live, the, the, the Randy Bullock was going to be able to put that through the uprights. No drama whatsoever, right? Thank Absolutely God they moved not. it to thank God they moved it to the right hash, right? Oh yeah. You, you ever <laughs> see those plays where where they're lining it up for the kicker? Well, the kicker likes it on this hash, and you're like, well, What's whatever. That he's, a, he's a pro kicker, you should be able to make it forever. You you're not necessarily wrong with that statement, but that kick is not good if they do not do that. <laughs> if that kick is in the middle of the field over, it's it's wide left by a good bit, and we're all sitting there going, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> So good on them for putting over there, I guess. Hindsight, always twenty twenty, but thank God that that ball was over on that hash for that kick. <laughs> so um, moving forward, though, here, it's been interesting watching the college bowl game. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on here since we've been going a little over on the Niners game. But just one of the continued arguments out there is the opt-out stuff for college, right, and whether players should, should they quit on their team. I'm telling you, we're watching this this Pittsburgh-Michigan State game right now in uh, – I'm, his name escapes me again. The quarterback, the fake slide quarterback, uh, Pickett. 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 Why do I never think it's Pickett? That's always in the front of my mind. I never want to go with it. But Pickett opts out because he wants to focus on the NFL. What he's really saying is, I'm not screwing it up after the season I just had. I have I have been a misery for the most part my, the whole time here, and I finally had an, an elite uh, level of playing this year for myself. No, I'm not ruining all that to go hurt myself in this meaningless bowl game versus Michigan State, the, the, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I'm not doing it. And I, I got to say, I know that it's hard to sit here. Well, he's clearly justified because of this, but literally on the first drive of the game, the backup quarterback for Pitt 
runs scrambles, which Pickett did a lot this year for a touchdown and does something to us. I haven't, I haven't seen what the injury was, breaks a collarbone, tears a shoulder out of place, something on the run. And it's not one-to-one. I get that, but it's kind of not, it's kind of hard to not sit here and say, well, looks like you made the right decision, bud. No, I mean, I'm, I'm never someone who is going to criticize uh, college players for sitting out bowl games. I, I, unless you're in the college football playoff, don't care. Yep. Absolutely don't care. You, and, and I'm an Ohio State fan, so, you know, I got Garrett Wilson, Olave, all these guys are sitting out um, because they're, they're, they're already first-round picks. That's where right. they're going to be. Well, why? And why? if they go yeah. have the best game that has ever been played, I mean, if Olave goes off for 160 yards, 200 yards, four touchdowns. Well, and and also nobody's going to care in three years. No. In three years, nobody's going to remember it. So why? No, I just, I don't care. And frankly. Well, you might remember it. (laughs) No, but grown, grown men that get upset about the commitment that you made to this university. You need to go play in this Rose Bowl. Is that university? Get out. Is that university committed to these players if they don't make the NFL and they're struggling on their own somewhere or they can't make it? No, just it just it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. It's the fact of what does that game matter? It's a cool experience for the players. Sure, they get it. They get the whole week. The to swag it. bag, all that yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and they do get some sweet oh, stuff. They do. By yeah, the way. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but outside of that. Yeah, go have fun with it. Enjoy it. Have your mayonnaise bath and then move on. <laughs> yeah, I guess our point is I'm, I'm never going to fault. And, and I'm, I'm very glad that you're starting to see a, a world. It's gonna, it makes it interesting with the transfer portal rules, what they are now. But I'm, I'm kind of happy it is because if a coach isn't going to be locked into a contract and can just leave whenever they want to, regardless, then players should be able to move around. I, I, I just don't make them. They'll never allow it to move around in seasons. My only ask, <laughs> you know, nothing like that. But at the end of the season, once it's over, Sure. Enter that transfer portal. Go where you want to. What's a better situation for you and your family? The coaches are doing it. Why not you? Yeah, the one factor I would be curious to see, and I, I'm not a, an NIL uh, lawyer by any means, so I don't know if this is <laughs> yeah. a t- if you can tie this to anything at all. But if possible, I would be interested to see if some of these larger brands that sponsor uh, or bigger athletes that have a partnership with them that are going to be it with like the Bamas, the Ohio States, those kind of guys that are going to be in these big bowl games that maybe not be playoffs. So Bama was a bad example because they will be in the playoffs every year. But uh, let's take again, Ohio State playing in the Rose Bowl doesn't really matter. Um do you start because if I'm a brand that's sponsoring somebody like an Olave or a Wilson, I want that's a lot yeah. of that's a lot yeah, of eyes on eyes on point. my brand. Yeah. So do some of those NIL contracts start to get tied to some of that? Yeah. Um and that may not even be how you can structure that. So it may not even matter. Um I, I admittedly cannot say, but if so, that would be an interesting factor. It would be. And also I think this NIL stuff will balance out at some point just because you know, you take the good with the bad. Obviously, anybody who signed up with an NIL for Bryce Young paid off in a big way this year. I think he was approaching a million dollars in NIL deals this year and he goes out and wins the Heisman this year. So that was a good call. But what's the, and again, I'm showing my, 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 my superpower of forgetting names. Um, DJ, um, the Clemson quarterback. No, you have to say it. No, I'm, I, 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 that guy, the kid that came in for Clemson trying to replace the line, Trevor Lawrence, the Deshaun Watson for him. Everyone's thinking this is going to be the next great quarterback at Clemson. So why not rack up the NIL? But it just shows you that sometimes people need some adjustment. He did. He was not great this year. Not by a long shot. Clemson was very mediocre, and he played very mediocre. I guarantee you those NILs don't think they got their money's worth out of him because he signed some big ones too. He was up there. 
but again, so that's what I'm saying is that I would, you know, uh, that's a bad example. You know what a good example is? What's that? Uh, An athlete that made his own, um, his own what is it like brand oh Spencer Rattler's a definitely yeah. a definitely yeah. better one how about you go in you're gonna have your own symbol your own logo sure all these deals and you get benched sure great I will add that to I, the just, point. I just wanted to dunk on Spencer Rattler that's fine I, I'm here for it because it looked like what did Mr. Lebowski say look <laughs> logo anyway I digress um but my point is, I think this NIL stuff will level out at some point because it's it. You can either go the boomer bus because somebody's going to pay it and whatever. But maybe at some point in time, people goes, let's pump the brakes on some freshmen just in case, some first time starters. Let's whatever. Now Spencer Rattler obviously wasn't that, but you know, we'll see. That's our thoughts on what's going on. Also, condolences to the Tennessee fan, uh, Tennessee Volunteer fans out there that listen to our podcast. Y'all got screwed tonight. And I and and I am an Alabama fan. I normally am very critical of things Tennessee, and I'm very let me let me be clear here when he <laughs> says critical. I adamantly believe that this man dislikes <laughs> Tennessee more than he likes Alabama. <laughs> well, we can have that argument at some point. But I think that adds to my point here that if I am saying you got screwed, you got screwed. That was a touchdown in overtime. That was the quickest forward progress call I have ever seen it on a kid that was still moving forward. Yeah, Kansas City Chiefs fans may uh, protest that on the uh, Marcus Mariota fumble in the playoffs a sure. couple years ago, but uh, um, but that, that's right <laughs> up there too. So yeah, for sure. I mean, but but again, condolences to you. That was not pretty, and it's entertaining. And here's the thing: is it just as someone who just enjoys good football, like entertaining football, that was an entertaining fourth quarter. And I didn't have a rooting interest, not really, but just to see the back and forth, it was like it was crazy. It was like in in the span of five plays, it was like three sixty yard ish yeah, plays. It was, it, was it was routes on air, essentially. A, yeah, people, I saw it over Twitter, and they announced it. This game's drunk, and I agree, it was great. But it, it's just, it's just, it's a horrible way, I think, to end that because I would, I would, I would have rather seen let that count. Purdue get a touchdown, and then we get to the that two point thing where the third overtime on or whatever it is, we're just two point conversion back and forth. And that, that's what I wanted to see. That's how that game deserved to end. Not that way, but anyway, so condolences, hopefully you'll able to uh, listen to this podcast and know that an Alabama fan is feeling is, is saying that you got screwed because <laughs> it was bad. Um, real quick Titans versus Miami. Um, again, music city bowl. The game looked like that field got tore up. Yay. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Hope they got the long cleats ready because I I don't know if that feels going to be sloppy or what, but it's supposed to be 35 degrees and absolutely we're bad weather supposed to start Friday, carry over into Sunday. It's it's not supposed to be a pretty weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think the, and that's the worst part. I don't think the field got tore up so much. It's just that when you have an outdoor stadium, it's pretty apparent whenever the weather comes in and that it, the, it just does not hold up, mm-hmm. um, even during a game, whether they were playing – that doesn't help, but I don't think they necessarily made it worse. I just think the field in and of itself in those conditions are not good. So yeah, you're going to have to have the, the long cleats. It's going to be, it could end up being a messy game. Luckily, um, I'm not sure that changes a ton for this game, to be honest. I think both these teams are going to be driven by their defense at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Titans, I think, have, the, have a better chance on offense to do some things uh but the uh miami defense is not a slouch no and miami's hot right now for for miami standards i mean well for nfl teams they're on a little bit of a streak here a little bit of roll offense has seemed to find its footing which is a lot of short game stuff but 
people want to joke about it and say, oh, all Tua does is throw short. And I made that comparison as well. And he sees he's the slant pass master and he just throws short. But with a guy like Jalen Waddell, why not? And they, they the, the name of the game in the NFL is move the ball. And if they're finding a way to move the ball, then it doesn't really matter how they're doing it or how, what, what the end result looks like as long as they're moving the ball and having success. And they very much are in that regard. So they're going to look to try to scheme some of that open and, and utilize what they have on offense and not really attack the Titans down the field, in my opinion. So the Titans have to be ready for that on, on defense. But again, I think they're up for it. Offensively a little bit better, but the offense has got to be ready for that. As you just stated, that defense is no slouch. It's a pretty good defense. They're going to throw some, some unique pressure at them. Yeah, I think, and you talk about that. There, there's several things out there about kind of the double A gap schemes that the uh, that Miami tries to do use to scheme some uh, pressures there. They like to use their safeties in the pressure game and bring them down. So they're going to come in a couple, uh, lots of different ways at the Titans. And the, luckily, the Titans over the past few weeks have been a little bit better at picking up some of those twists and stunts. It was yeah. it was an abomination early on in the season, but they've been at least a little bit better doing that. I do think if you can hold up against some of the initial rush, there are some opportunities to get that ball out um but look you gotta be you're gonna have they're gonna go back to running the ball and then i don't think miami is gonna be able to move the ball too much on them i think that you know with waddle there he they, he's kind of been feasting on a lot of that underneath stuff where yep. they're really good at zone beaters and things like that i the titans like to play man and i yep. do think that's where you're gonna see a guy like christian fulton matched up on waddle following him around now waddle is is a super speedster don't get me wrong on that but i do think the titans match up pretty well against that that uh miami offense yeah you, you hit it right on the nail on the head there and i yeah, yes. nail on the head. I got that saying right. Hey, hey, English. Hey. Anyway, uh, you hit. You, you were definitely correct there. And what I wanted to put touch on is that with the Titans running a little more man than what the Miami usually is successful against, I honestly think the Titans have a chance to shut them down a little more than say they have been here recently. And Tua, who uh, again, Alabama fan, I don't think he's the smartest guy in the world. I, I really don't. I think that if you can throw him off schedule, it falls apart on him pretty quickly. Now he's got a live arm. And if he's making those first you know, those first read throws and they're and they're working for him, good luck, because that's his strength and that's what he does well. You make him try to think past that first read, gets interesting. The, Miami's got a good tight end. If you want to call that tight end, I think he's been I think he's been in line less than Ferkser, if that tells you anything uh, per average in the NFL and Jacecki. But um, I just really think this comes down to the Titans man being able to stop man defense, stop some of that, get some pressure onto a manufacturing you know some some gen, some natural pressure excuse me from the defensive front so some of the guys still waiting on to come back to pre autry would be big for the for the pressure still waiting to see if they're going to come back from covid list as well the good news is of course waiting on some receivers as well but the good news is it looks like the entire starting offensive line is going to be available saffold's back Luan's back davis just came off the list today so that's good for the titans offensive line to be whole for that so some good things there yeah, again, uh, and the other thing I'll say is that, look, I know that the Titans are in, are competing for a number one seed. Um, they can clinch the South with this win. Miami needs this win a lot more than the Titans do. Sure. It's a big win for the Titans. I don't want to minimize no, it. No, they can still clinch the South next yeah. week. The, the, depending uh, how things happen, they still could be up for the one seed. Yeah, they could. <laughs> they have a shot at the one seed. Uh, and so, yeah, it would hurt if, you know, Kansas City was to drop a game and you lost this one. Uh, but it doesn't change too much on your season if right. you lose this one. 
uh, Miami, if they lose it, they're done pretty much like that. That's all. That's one of the last nails in their coffin after clawing back and kudos to Flores for keeping that team together and bringing that team back from, I think it was a one and seven start yeah. to um, where they are now. Like that it very easy to have a team quit there. We talked about the grit that Vrabel has in the Titans. Flores has kind of shown that, that the Miami team has that same attitude agreed. there. So uh, I, you're going to get Miami's best shot. You're going to get everything they got. I think you should expect your best shot from them and the Texans to have that next week to have that bragging rights so for sweeping the Titans when the Titans win the South. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, my, the Texans, I kind of figure, will be uh, a couple steps into the offseason at that point. So, you think that, but they played a hell of a game last week. Yeah, I mean, that, that may be true. I mean, so we'll see. But yep. we, we got to focus on this week, right? Oh, yeah, because what we – Stay focused. Our focus really matters for the yeah, Titans. Yeah, so, <laughs> I, you look, Miami's coming out. They're, they're gonna You're going to get your trick plays that you're going to sure. get – the attacking front they're going to try and generate turnovers i'm not saying that there are weeks that teams don't try on things but you're you're gonna have to be prepared for their best shot yeah titans of course if they're able to keep the pressure off Tannehill, minimize the turnovers got a pretty good shot to win also in the passing game let the floods and screens die for this one in my opinion and if you're going to roll Tannehill out and flood into it that's fine at least give him something down the field to shoot for as well then it's just something boxing everything into a 20-yard window where it's easy easy to cover all three levels get something going and, and, and create some space there uh but for me i hope they go back to and again pointing back to Superhorn's article please go back and read it because he pointed out some of the bang play action he would like to see them get back to where they're basically dropping out and having those those routes over the middle ready to go the crossers the mid the ends all that good stuff go back to that with AJ Brown and see what happens so that kind of stuff you'd like to see so when we're talking about attacking down the fiddle a little more we're not talking about letting it air out on fades every other play we're talking about attacking that intermediate to mid to outside in ways other than trying to flood to the levels those kinds of things because those are a little easier to cover and again Again, you're dependent on, as I pointed out this week on the show, on the naked boots, you're depending on the defense screwing up in those instead of scheming something and working your athletes open on naturally through the play progression. So less of that, more of the other. And I think the Titans are going to have a pretty good chance to win this game. Yeah, I don't think that Miami is going to be able to uh, do too much on offense. Uh, I think I was worried about that a little bit with the Niners and the way that Shanahan can scheme some things open. Miami, I think, is going to have a very tough time moving the ball. Gotcha. So I think your worst-case scenario is that this game ends up looking a lot like the Pittsburgh game. And by all means, do not make it look like the last time the Titans played the Dolphins. For the love of God, this is the worst game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you just mean the uh, seven-hour game, seven hour game with yeah. uh, Delaney oh Walker God. breaking his leg? The Juan got knocked out, I think, or something, concussion, and just yeah, crack back block. Mariota, I think, got hurt in the game too at some point. I think he got some shoulder. Uh, I think something happened to his shoulder. Probably. Well, I mean, I think you could. Yeah. Well, never mind. Never, we'll move on. We'll move on. So anyway, so that that's our thoughts on the week. No score predictions. Just if the Titans do what they're supposed to, like we said every week, they should win. Yep. Yep. All right. So Jonathan, it's that magic time. Joke of the week. Yeah, you know it's the holidays and everything, so I wanted to spend some time with my son. So I um, I, I took him to to a zoo actually, um, but there was only one dog there. Um, so I mean it was it was a shit zoo. <laughs> I may cut some silence out of my reaction there, but I needed a second after that one. I don't know. The jokes are so dumb, but they get me every time. They're they're just I don't I don't know if I don't expect them or maybe I haven't heard these before, but man. Every time you get me. So this has been the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered with 440 Sports. Remember to check out all of our other podcast articles and video breakdowns that, that Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com. 
and on Twitter at BroadwayTM. Check out this show at Coaches on Broad, your hosts at JB on Broad, at Ryan on Broadway. But until next time, we out. See ya. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.